You're listening to TCRG to CEO Radio with your host, Courtney J. TCRG. Wait, before we get into the bulk of today's episode, we have to talk about the giveaway. It's your last chance to get those last minute giveaway entries in, and you have to be on the email list to get the giveaway details. So before you go any further, pause. Go to CourtneyJTCRG.com slash podcast, add yourself to the email list, and wait for your giveaway email to arrive. You'll be able to do different tasks to get yourself more entries. And as of today, the podcast has 1,500 listens, which is 1,500 downloads and 1,500 awesome, not individual listeners, but just awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for all of your support. And make sure you get that giveaway entry in before the end of today because you don't want to miss out on the giveaway. The winner will be announced on Saturday. So now on with the real episode. Hello and welcome back to TCRG to CEO Radio. This is your host, Courtney J. TCRG, welcoming you to another episode. And this one is all about St. Patrick's Day performances how to prepare for them, where to book, how to manage the performances, and how to have the least stressful St. Patrick's Day possible. And I promise it is a thing that really exists. This is episode number 15 already, and this is a nice one to go out on before the show takes a little bit of a hiatus in March. We have so much going on in the month of March, and I want to make sure that everyone, including myself, can focus on those events and be able to survive March. So the show will be back at the end of March with more episodes as kind of like a season two. So this one will be wrapping up season number one, 15 episodes, nice round number. And this one's going to be a good one. So if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you're going to want to go do that at Courtney J underscore TCRG. I will still be posting there and doing stories every day, every week during the podcast hiatus. So if you're on Instagram, you can go follow me there in real time. We also have a Facebook group for the show listeners. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash TCRG to CEO. It's also always linked in the show notes, which you can find by clicking on the description section for each episode. All you have to do is request to join answer the little questions that come up, and I will approve you into the group. And then you'll be able to chat about the episode, interact with other listeners, and have part in our discussions. As a special bonus for this episode, I put together a resource list of all the things that I'll be talking about in the show, such as equipment and tools and things that you might need to have a smooth St. Patrick's Day. So it'll be linked in the description of the episode or the show notes, but just in case you're listening and you want to go check it out, it's going to be at www.courtneyjtcrg.com spd, spd for St. Patrick's Day. So go ahead and check that resource link out. It's some of my most favorite, most essential things that I would love for you to have so that you can prepare for St. Patrick's Day. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you'll get it just in time. Let's get into today's content, which is all about St. Patrick's Day performances. I put out a couple question boxes on my Instagram story to find out what you guys most wanted to know about in this episode. 
uh, just to go along with some of the things that I had already planned. So we're going to start right at the beginning with the booking process. So we start our booking process at the end of March for the year ahead. So all of our March 2019 shows may have been booked as early as the end of March 2018 and anywhere in between. We receive bookings all year long and I encourage you to open your bookings throughout the year as well because everyone's thinking about events at different times during the year. So first we invite our current clients to rebook to lock in their dates as a thank you from us. So they get the first dibs on the dates at the end of March. Then we will send out another reminder in June and Anyone who comes in in the meantime between June and as pretty much as far out as we can book is probably January, sometimes mid-February, depending on how many dates are still available, when St. Patrick's Day actually falls, how many weekends are available, and all of that. And we let everybody have their slots, as many as we can offer without spreading ourselves too thin. We use booking contracts to secure the dates, also to provide us a little bit of protection and to ensure that we're not saving dates and times only to have them canceled later. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's experienced having a high demand slot requested, scheduled, only to have them pull out a few weeks ahead of time. So without a booking contract, you don't really have any recourse but you can write your booking contract with whatever terms and conditions you'd like. Make sure you get paid if you are charging for the performance and any other stipulations as far as what you want them to provide, what you'll be bringing, and kind of outlining what your service will actually be. If you guys are interested in a sample booking contract as another resource to come out, let me know in the private Facebook group because that's something that I would be willing to provide for anyone who is really interested. So the types of events that we typically dance at include elementary schools, libraries, healthcare facilities, bars, restaurants, private parties and events. We do our local parade. We have a 5K race that we partner with, as well as some other local partnership events. And the possibilities are really endless. Be open-minded when you're receiving inquiries from people and Always be open-minded as far as the space and what you think you might need as well. We do performances in spaces as small as a kitchen table and as large as big arenas. So the more open-minded you are, the more slots you'll be able to fill in your calendar. I highly recommend that you have an easy to fill out contact form either on your website or wherever you're directing traffic to so that Anyone who's interested or thinks they might be interested in having entertainment at some type of event can really easily get in touch with you without having to do a lot of searching for your email address or your phone number. The booking form on our website is the most common way that we receive inquiries for performances. If you'd like to see a sample or a little template of what our website booking form looks like, you can go to www.irishdancect.com slash performance booking, and you'll see that we have a list of different performances we've done in the past. We have some flyers. We have videos of what we've appeared in previously so people can kind of see what they're getting. And then we have this the simple contact form that really invites people to come and submit their event for consideration. You can also make this page of your website 
highly search engine optimized so that anyone who's looking or Googling Irish dancers near me or Irish dancers for party, that this page will pop up and just jump out at your target clients. This leads on nicely to the question I received about marketing yourself to book performances. And we really don't do a lot of specific marketing to pull in different events. We seem to be in demand enough to just take the inquiries that we have, but we do have a performance reel video that's posted on our dedicated booking page so that prospective clients and venues can see what we've done previously. And usually we're highly featured on different news outlets and have those videos posted as well. And while appearing on the news doesn't necessarily mean you're more recognized or credible, people like to see what they're getting before they actually get it. So any videos that you can post that will show your prospective clients what you'll be providing them can only do good things for your booking and your calendar. We tried one new marketing tactic this year that I can report back on once I have some more data about it, but we did some direct mail to different pubs and restaurants bars and places that we were specifically targeting for certain dates. And this was something we tried. Uh, One of our staff members has a lot of experience in the restaurant industry, and this was a way that she had come up with to start targeting a few more places of that nature. And I will be sure to report back once we have a little bit more information on how well it worked. Another highly overlooked way of pulling in performances is to put it out to your parents and students within your school and ask if they either have any connections to different places, doesn't even have to be a certain type of facility, it can be anywhere, or anywhere that they have contacts that are looking for entertainment for different things or anywhere that they'd like to see us dance. Don't underestimate the power of your network and allow parents to reach out, kind of see what the interest is, and then encourage those places if they are interested to get in touch with you so that you can manage the calendar and see if you guys can come up with something that works out for both of you. So don't underestimate your network. Another very common question that I received was to charge or not to charge for these performances. There's no right or wrong answer, and this one is totally in your control and what you're comfortable with, but there are a few different ways to structure your performance fees if you do want to charge for your performances. I personally do charge for our performances as we all know that there's a lot of time that goes into preparing for them, getting everyone to these performances, and all the time spent out performing. And of course, some of them are for the betterment of the community, And elementary schools, for example, probably aren't going to pay you to come in, but there's always a way to structure a deal so that your school is being appreciated and compensated for the time that you are spending providing a service. So we personally use our St. Patrick's Day performances as a fundraiser for the school and the funds raised get used for our school costumes, to send our top dancers to different major competitions and to subsidize a few events that we would otherwise have to charge for, which helps us make sure that the funds that we're raising do in fact benefit everyone who puts time into performing at them. So let's talk about a few different ways you can structure your performance fees. 
The first way is you can have a rate card by time. So let's just say you have an hourly rate of $100 an hour or $200 an hour, $20 an hour. It doesn't matter what the price actually is, but you have a structured rate card that varies by the amount of time that you're spending at a performance. The second way is a pass the hat type of deal where you're essentially dancing for tips. These tend to work out better at private parties or at restaurants and pubs or bars, places that would normally have people tipping for service. The third way is a little bit more creative. You can do a raffle or profit share with the venue. Um, We're doing a partnership with a local business and we're doing a raffle where they're contributing some items, we're contributing some things, and the profits of the raffle will get split between us, and that's how we are essentially being paid for our time. And the fourth way is free, but for promotion. I would highly recommend that you write a contract that enables you to do some type of promotion in exchange for a free performance, just so that you're always going to have the option to promote to your target audience. And of course, the value in that for you is most of the time promotion and marketing costs money. But if you structure your deal this way, you're saving on that expense and therefore you're coming out positive. And if it's not in your comfort zone to charge for performances, that's absolutely fine. And you can also structure your business or your performance troupe or however you'd like to divide that activity out of your business into a nonprofit, or there's so many different ways that you can do this that it's probably impossible to even cover all of the ways. But these are some ways of structuring performance fees that have worked for us in the past. Now we're on to the next phase. You have your performances booked, you have your booking contracts out, you have all of your scheduled events lined up and ready to go. Now, how do you get your dancers ready? We have numbers that each level of each class learns to build excitement and to prepare them to dance. We keep all of our events voluntary instead of required, but again, that's something that's up to you, how you wanna run your business and how your identity and brand is woven into these performance activities. We find that keeping it voluntary keeps the stress level down, It helps kids come to perform at their own accord and not being forced into it. And it allows people to pick and choose and go at their own pace. There's no right and wrong, but we find that keeping it low-key and optional is what aligns with our school's brand and identity. So in class, we find that by practicing the St. Patrick's Day performance numbers with everyone, that it naturally piques the dancer's curiosity. They do start to get excited. They start to ask questions. And we find that a lot of them do participate in at least something. We recommend that the younger kids and the really new kids stick to some more low-key events where the audience is likely to be their own age. And that seems more palatable for them. Whereas some of the braver kids might go to different events that maybe would be a little bit intimidating for some other dancers, but if their personality and their ambition is there, then we find that they end up coming out on a real high after all the events, and they really like get the the taste of it and they get the bug for performing. Then there's the other side of the coin, which is getting the parents ready. And if you remember back from the communication systems episode, 
earlier in the show, you can go back and listen to that. And a lot of the ways that we talked about in that episode can be applied here for St. Patrick's Day performances. I try to present very clear information, keep it accessible, and send out as few communications about it as humanly possible. You might ask, why is this? First, it eliminates changes that might send someone to the wrong location or out at the wrong time. The less editing and less additions of a schedule or additions of information that we have to send out, the easier it is for people to go back and find this information without having to cross-check everything a million times. We confirm everything before it goes out for the same reason. We don't want to put the schedule out too early and end up having to make a million changes to the schedule and possibly have something fall through the cracks. I would so much rather wait a few days, release the schedule a little bit later, but know that all the moving parts have really settled. We also try to make it as easy as possible for people to get involved if that's what they want to do. So I use a tool called Sign Up Genius. It's completely free. Many people might have used it before for different things. And what I do is I set up a Sign Up Genius for every event that we have, attach the link to that sign up to a schedule, and then anyone who wants to opt in for that performance just simply adds their name with a few clicks and boom, they're on the Sign Up Genius. That's what we use at the performance for our attendance list and how I create the set list for each performance. We remind them that this is a choose your own adventure in terms of how much they want to do. And this helps prevent some of the burnout that parents might feel by feeling pressure to do a lot of performances. We try to make our performances doable with as few as four dancers and as many as 40 so that we have a lot of flexibility and that we don't feel strapped if a performance doesn't have a lot of signups. So our process is as follows. We send out a schedule with the dates, times, location, and Sign Up Genius links. Parents review the schedule and opt in to any performance that they are allowed or able to go to. Sometimes I set restrictions on a performance if it's just not suitable for our beginners, for example, or it's a performance that's particularly low on space or has made any special requests that would take out certain dancers from performing. And sign up for any performances that are accessible to them. From there, I review the Sign Up Genius signups, any dancer that appears on that list, and I create a performance set list, which is the names of the dances and the people that are in them for each performance that we have. Now, this is a little bit more work, but you know that I love a plan. And there are many different ways you can run your performance in terms of logistics, but this is the way that I prefer to do things, especially since now that the school has grown and we often operate in multiple troops. This is my way of being able to control the aspects of each performance, even if I can't be physically present at every performance. I create the list so that whoever is running the show, myself included, has an attendance list, the running order of the dances, what the dances are, and we'll be able to create a playlist of music in order so that music is a snap. Your own personal logistics might change. I know that when we were growing up, we would be sent a schedule 
And instead of signing up ahead of time, we would just appear half an hour before the performance was due to start. And then our teacher would write out a handwritten set list so that we could just go based on who showed up. And if that works for you, then that's awesome. I personally do not like to have last minute panic and I couldn't bring myself to just show up and hope that people arrived. And especially, like I mentioned, that we do operate in multiple troops, which means we have slots going in different locations simultaneously, which means often there is a representative, whether it's a parent or another team member running the performance. I couldn't personally do it to them to just bank on people showing up and having them to have to craft a set list by themselves. If you're a smaller school or you're a large school that has lots of teachers and has lots of resources to put together a set list on the spot, then that's certainly a lot less work and more power to you. That's awesome. No matter what, make sure you have everything you need ready to go in one to carry, transport, set up, and pack up system. I have created a resource list with all of my favorite equipment and ways to transport it. So things that we normally carry is a speaker system. We do travel with our own music to each location unless the venue has specifically told us that they will be providing a sound system for us to use. My absolute favorite speaker is linked in the resource page. It rolls like a suitcase with like a telescoping handle which makes it so easy to run from location to location with. It really packs a punch. It has as much volume as you could need, even for outdoor performances. Or I use it during class time too, with multiple loud dozens of hard shoes going at once, and you can hear it no problem. It comes with its own mic, and you can put in different inputs, USB, aux cord, you name it, it's got it. I will link that in the resource page in case you need a sound system. And it's not super expensive. It's certainly been worth the investment for me as we do use it on the daily at class. And it's something that we can take along, get it in and out of the car, run around with it during performance season. You definitely want to pack extension cords as not every venue will have outlets super close to where you want to perform. I also highly recommend that you have multiple aux cords. That's the cord that goes from your phone or your iPod or whatever device you're using to play music into your speaker, as well as aux cord adapters so that you can plug into any sound system. The sound guy will love you. You want an aux cord adapter to a quarter inch jack as any mixing desk will run off of that type of input and you can get the adapters super cheap, super easily through the resource link that I have put in the show notes. We also bring our own flooring wherever possible. This is just kind of a way to help your venue out, protect their floors, and ultimately be invited back to dance in many places. I'm sure we've all had a floor disaster where you've ruined someone's floor or they're really concerned about the floor and maybe the facility manager can't even enjoy your performance because all they can think about is how they're going to clean the floor after. There's a great Marley alternative called shower pan liner. It's usually used in your shower and it's a very similar consistency to Marley but you can roll it up, you can tape it down, untape it really easily, 
and it's a great it's a great thing to have in your gig kit to bring along at any event that has hard floors because all you need to do is spend a couple minutes to roll it out tape it down and then you're good to go the venue will absolutely love you and you'll be able to be asked back multiple times which is making the flooring well worth investing in we actually use this flooring in our small studio as well as a Marley alternative, just because it's significantly cheaper. And as I said, is a very comparable consistency. And a little pro tip just for me, I don't know if anyone else out there throws everything in the car, you're running or speeding off from place to place, and you hear in the back of your trunk, everything falling out. You arrive at your next destination and everything's all over your trunk. You quickly try and scrounge it all together You set everything up, you're ready to start, and then you realize that something didn't quite make it back out of your trunk scramble and into your gig bag. So what I started to do is I got those clear plastic bins with the snap lids, put everything, our mic, our extension cords, our aux cords, our adapters, our clipboard, our set list, our iPod, anything that we needed that wasn't the speaker or the flooring, put it all in these little buckets, snap the lid on, and then no matter how quick I turn the corner, whether it's on two wheels, maybe speeding through a yellow light, and getting to each destination really fast, I could turn this thing over a million times and none of my stuff will fall out. So I've included the little clear plastic buckets on our resource page as well, because they make it really easy to pack everything up get everything out of the car, unload it, and make sure that everything goes back together, ultimately leaving less for you to carry too. So that's my own little pro tip to make your setup and pack up as easy as possible. When you're at the performance itself, when I am the one running the performance, I typically MC and keep the set list, make sure that we're sticking to our time slot, If we need to make any last second additions or subtractions from the set list, I'm the one that makes that call. And I also run the music myself. When I have to have a team member run a performance or a parent representative is running a performance, we typically split up the workload so that someone is doing the emceeing, someone is managing the set list, and someone's running the music. It's the way that seems to work for us, but of course, if you have parents often running performances and they're very experienced, they might be able to double up on work just like I do. No matter who's running the performance, we always have a dance captain. And this is to ensure that there's someone backstage that's liaising with the performance coordinator, whether it's me or someone else, with any dancer-related issues that come up. The dancers backstage defer to the dance captain as far as questions that they might have about the set list, if they have some type of emergency with shoes or they need some type of question asked about the set list, which frees the coordinator, whether it's me or someone else, up to focus on running a smooth performance. This might be something that if you're not already implementing it, you might want to give it a try and see how it works. It certainly decreases our stress load and it makes sure that everyone has a really clear and defined role in helping the performance run smoothly. And the final question I wanted to address that I got through my Instagram story is whether you can use performances for marketing. 
And of course you can use performances for marketing. This is a huge offline marketing opportunity and it allows you to connect in person with some of your target customers. You can prepare an offer for your community events and St. Patrick's Day events in particular. It can be any type of offer, but you wanna keep it consistent across your events and keep it simple. And then from there, you wanna make sure that you let people know about it. You can make sure your MC mentions it. You can make sure that you have a table or a booth when it's possible. You can carry business cards or handouts with this type of offer, and you want to make sure that you share it with everybody that you possibly can. Your offer might be for five classes for $5. It might be for a free class in a certain month. It might be for a free try it out summer day. It can be absolutely anything. And then remember that your performances are a huge part of your brand awareness as well. So you wanna make sure that your MC introduces your school by name, that maybe you have a backdrop or a pop-up banner that displays your name and information. Anything that you can do to make sure that people remember who they saw, where they saw you, and what you can do for them. Because you never know who is at your performances. And you might be at a healthcare facility for assisted living or for retirees. And you just know know who has a grandchild or who has even the employee who has a young child that's interested in getting them started. So don't overlook just getting your name out there and getting your identity out there, no matter what performance venue that you're in. So that's going to wrap up my part of today's episode. I would highly encourage you to get into our private members-only Facebook group for listeners so that if I haven't covered something that you really want to know about, you can get in the group and find this episode's discussion link and get involved, ask those questions, and not only have an answer from me, but from everyone in our TCRG to CEO community that has experience running performances all different ways. I'm sure that there's going to be talking points in this episode that come up and I will learn something from being part of the group as well. So you want to go add yourself to the group. Follow me on Instagram so that you have access to different questions and answers and posts during this podcast hiatus. And we'll see you again here at the end of March so that we can keep creating awesome resources and content to help all of our teachers, studio owners, and dancers out there. Until next time, have an awesome St. Patrick's Day. May the odds be ever in your favor, and happy, happy, happy St. Patrick's Day.